Well, good morning, and welcome to Journey. I'm glad you're here today. Uh, I, I was curious, as I was sitting there, I uh, love Heather and what she's doing. I was just wondering, how many people here have actually been to the new location, Journey Provisions? All right, cool. Um, if you haven't been to either, you ought to stop by. It's pretty cool. really is. And what I was thinking about was, you know, we talked about a lot of impact, but the intangibles. Uh, what had the ministry that just happens there in that place, people come in, you know, they start conversations with folks. It's really cool uh, what goes on there. So you may want to check that out and uh, just do a little serving or ministering as well. Well, guys, we're in this uh, series, we've been in for weeks now, called Like Jesus. And I was thinking that we all want to try to be like Jesus, but I know there are times in my life when I'm not a lot like Jesus. Let me give you an example of that. Um, I've been having a little bit of tension with one of our neighbors. Anybody ever, you know what I'm at? Anybody ever like a little bit? That's not bad. I mean, it's not all, just maybe a little disagreement a little bit, some conversations. Uh, but in one of our conversations, my neighbor happened to mention that she didn't think I was the best neighbor she's ever had. And, I, you know, I got a little bit of pride. I was kind of offended about that. And so one day I decided, you know what, I'm going to prove that I'm the best neighbor that my neighbor's ever had. And the reason I was going to do that is there was a strip of uh, grass, weeds, that were kind of down by the road. And I thought, I'm going to mow that with my weed eater. And I, so I tore into it. I mean, it was big. It was waist high, never been cut this year. So I decided I'm going to go in there and I'm going to cut all that down and it's going to be so great. And I was thinking, I hope that they don't come home while I'm doing it because I want them to come home and see it and I want them to go, oh, Randy's the best neighbor I've ever had. He's such a good neighbor to do that for me. And sure enough, my neighbor didn't come home while I was working. I got it all trimmed up, you know, and it was a hot day anyway, but it was a lot of work. Let me just say that, you know. Um, but anyway, I got it all done, and then I'm not like, okay, when they get home this evening, they're going to call me up or maybe even come to the house and say, thank you so much for mowing my yard, my area. But nothing happened. I mean, crickets, nothing at all. Nothing that day and the next day and the next day and after that. You know, Lori said, Randy, you're being silly. She said, you did the right thing, and you shouldn't expect anything else. And I'm going, well, I didn't see you down there weed-eating and mowing and you know, cutting all that stuff up, I, you know, so I'm thinking, uh, God, my motives are horrible, let me just say that, uh, that's why I'm not like, a lot like Jesus in that, but you know what, I begin to evaluate myself, and I begin to think, you know what, Randy, I don't like it in you, but you wanted some glory, you wanted some recognition, you wanted, you wanted somebody to brag on you and tell you are a good neighbor after all, I know, I don't like me like that, but that's kind of how I am, and I got a feeling that some of you here today are the same way. I got a feeling there are all of us, a little bit inside of us, that want a little bit of recognition, we want some glory. And that's great because we're going to talk about today, uh, we're going to talk about glory, and if you can be honest and admit you'd like to have some sometime, uh, it's going to help you out a little bit here, because the word glory is an interesting word. The word glory means praise or honor or thanksgiving, a sense of gratification, a sense of exultation. And we all long for that at some point, right? And let me, let me go back and to be honest, finally, my neighbor did acknowledge that. She, they said, did you mow my grass for me? And I said, yes. But I didn't feel any, I didn't feel anything. By that time, I was ashamed of myself. But I had to tell you that they did recognize that at some point, all right? But we all long for some glory at some point in our life, right? In the Bible, we read the word glory a lot, but it's primarily used for God, for Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, which is where it should rightfully go. Now, I want to put all the focus on him, 
But I want to tell you, you may be surprised by the time we get to the end today, because one day you may get the glory. And it's going to be a whole lot more than your neighbor bragging on you. It's going to be glory given to you by God, because we're going to be glorified. It's going to be awesome. And uh, we're going to see why we get that glory when we get to the end of our time together here, all right? But we've been in the book of John, chapter 17. We've been looking at seven different habits of successful disciple makers. And I know topics like that aren't all that exciting, but we've been looking at some ways that we can be like Jesus because God has called us to go and be disciple makers, to invest in people, to put our lives in the lives of people. And we've talked about how Jesus did it, and we want to try to be like that ourselves. And so we looked at several ways. We talked about revealing Jesus to others. We talked about speaking to others about what we're learning about Jesus, about praying for others, about protecting others, about sending others out, encouraging them to go. And then last week, Tony talked about sanctifying or making other people holy by helping them to come to know Jesus better. And today we're going to talk about the final of those seven disciple-making attributes, which is about sharing the glory about sharing the glory, and we're going to see what Jesus said about all of that. Now, going back again, we're in John chapter 17. It's the prayer of Jesus in the garden right before he was arrested, right before he was taken by his enemies, right before his trial that would lead to his death and ultimately his, cruci- his, his resurrection. And in this prayer that we find here, Jesus is talking a lot about glory. And what's really interesting is that I've been reading and studying John 17 for many weeks now, more than you guys probably in preparation, and I never really picked up on the glory side of this, what what he's talking about here. But what I do know is that glory is important and we can share the glory and making disciples is all about sharing what you have learned, what you are learning and experiencing with other people about passing it along. Now, before you think I'm getting arrogant about the whole glory thing, I, I want you to just look at this scripture honestly. And the first thing we're going to do is look at the glory of God, which is where it should rightfully be, right? We're going to first look at the glory that Jesus shares with his Father, but then we're going to see that there's some glory that he shares with us as well. We'll get to that in a moment, all right? Let's go first things first. John chapter 17, verse 1. After Jesus had said this, he looked toward heaven and he prayed, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that your Son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now this is eternal life that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I have brought you the glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. Now hopefully you picked up in that, those five verses the five times that the Bible talks about glory that, that in this scripture. Five times that we're talking about glory. And what we're going to see here, first of all, is that glory is one of the basic attributes of God. That all the glory gets to God. The Father and the Son, the Holy Spirit, all share the glory together. They always have. Let's go back and look at this in the Bible. In the Old Testament, we see the glory of God. And it was called the Shekinah glory of God. And in that day, it was a visible manifestation of the presence of God. If God was present, you didn't mistake it. You knew for sure. And the way that God's glory was seen was in things like a bright light, a fire, sometime in a cloud, or sometime in total darkness. That's the way it was obvious that God was there. Let me show you some examples of that in the Old Testament. 
For example, when Moses was being called by God to go and deliver the people of, of Egypt out of slavery, we know that he saw a bush that was on fire. It was burning, but it wasn't consumed. And what that was, was the presence of God. And, and the, God spoke to him out of the bush, right? You remember that. It was a bright light, a bright fire. A little bit later on, whenever they built the tabernacle uh, and, and then later the temple, the uh, Shekinah glory of God resided in the tabernacle in the Holy of Holies. And so it was always this bright light emanating out of the Holy of Holies. God's literal presence was there in the Holy of Holies. Whenever Moses went on the Mount Sinai to get the law, remember that, the Ten Commandments, and he came down, he had been in the presence of God, and the Bible says his face was shining so brightly that they couldn't even look at him. They had to shield his face because he had been in the presence of God. Those are all ways that God showed his presence, and God led them through his glory. Remember when they were traveling through the wilderness, he would lead them with a pillar of fire at night and a pillar of cloud during the day and go before them. And so God was always, his presence was there. And, and this presence was intense. It was brighter than the sun. It was comforting to them to know that God was with them. But sometimes it was terrifying, especially when they knew they had done wrong. But this Shekinah glory was the presence and the obvious uh, manifestation of God. And it was present to show them that God was with his people, that God was blessing, that he was leading his people. But as you continue to read the history of the Israelites, you'll see that they continually and finally, ultimately, pulled away from God. And when that happened, guess what happened? The glory of God left them as well. God, walked, or God left his people because they left them. The great priest who mentored uh, Samuel, remember him, his name was Eli. He was probably one of the last of the greatest priests. He was a great guy, but his sons were lousy. They were wicked. And uh, so when his sons were killed by God, he did have a grandson that was born, and his name was Ichabod, which is not the best name you ever had, but the name means inglorious or the glory has departed. In other words, it was so obvious that God had departed that they literally named a child to recognize that. Poor kid got named that. But in their pain and their despair, they lamented the loss of the presence of God's glory from them. And guess what happened? He was gone for a long time. In fact, for 400 years, the glory of God, the presence of God was absent from his people. 400 years. And that really is kind of marked between the Old and New Testament. Now, after 400 years, the glory of God came back. And you probably know what that was or who that was. It was Jesus. After 400 years of silence, Jesus Christ was born, and the glory of God came back into the world. Now, all of that's a great way of just seeing that God wants to be present with his people, Emmanuel, Jesus, present with us. But in that scripture I read a few moments ago, there's some real quick things I want you to see about Jesus and the glory of God. The first thing is that Jesus has always existed that Jesus was with the Father and had all the glory before the world began. Jesus has always been there. Genesis 1, let us make man in our image, right? Who is us and our? It is God the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. So all the glory that God's always had was there, and Jesus experienced that. But then we also see that Jesus was sent to our world to reveal God to us. That Jesus left heaven, he left the glory, he limited his power and his visible glory to came here and become a human being. The Bible says the word became flesh and dwelt among us. 
Now, what I think is fascinating, because I think this is just neat, is that the word for dwelt in the Bible is the same word for Shekinah in the Old Testament. In the New, it's dwelt in the Old Testament, Shekinah. So when the word became flesh and dwelt among us, it was the presence of God or the glory of God with us. And so God's glory was present in a new way. Jesus also reminds us that when he was on the earth, that all authority had been given to him over all people. He came to reveal God, to show and make known the will of God that was for salvation, and to do the work of God, which we have been talking about is making disciples to carry on the kingdom. And in so doing, by being obedient in the will of God, the work of God, he brought glory to his heavenly Father. He glorified the Father. In fact, he says the Father glorifies the Son, and the Son glorifies the Father, and they share in the glory. Now, obviously, when Jesus was on the earth, though, his glory was overshadowed by his humanity. When people saw Jesus, he didn't shine like God's presence shined in the Old Testament. He was a human being. It was totally flesh. But there was one time in his earthly ministry that it was obvious that he shined, and that, you might remember, is when uh, Peter, James, and John accompanied Jesus up on a mountain, and the Bible says he was transfigured. He was transfigured. What that means is that he was seen in all of his glory. Only these three men were, were there uh, with um, Moses, who represented the law, and Elijah, who represented the, the prophets, and they all were there together, and Jesus was ex- displayed in all of his glory. And God said from the clouds, this is my beloved son in whom I am pleased. It was a recognition of him. But at that point, he was transfigured. Now, the word transfiguration or uh, transfiguration means a metamorphosis, which means when the outside changes to match the inside. So on the mountain, the outside of Jesus, he was transfigured and revealed to be what he really was inside, the glory of God. That's kind of neat. And they got a glimpse of God's glory. And so that has happened, and then they, Peter said, let's just stay up here, and, and, and Jesus said, no, we got to go back down, and they went back down to, uh, to normal life again, but they got this glimpse of Jesus' glory. But now, near the end of his life, God is about to reveal Jesus in all of his glory, and he's going to do this through the resurrection, that Jesus is going to have to go through the trial, the agony, the torture, the, the death on the cross, but then his, his glory is going to be revealed through his resurrection. And so in this prayer, Jesus is acknowledging that, and he's asking for the full restoration to the pre-incarnate, the glory that he always had with God, and the fellowship that he had with his Father before creation. So Jesus left glory to become fully human and, and, and die on the cross or taste death for everyone. But then he went back to glory. Hebrews chapter 2, Jesus is crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death. That's why the glory is is shown to him after his resurrection. So Jesus came from glory, and he's going to return back to glory. But this time, the Bible says it was a new and greater glory. Because he was obedient to come here, now he's lifted up, he experiences new glory, and the Bible says he's now king of kings and lord of lords. Revelation chapter 9, the revelation of John, and Jesus is revealed in all of his glory Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders in a loud voice. They were saying, worthy is the lamb, Jesus, who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. And then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them saying, 
to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. At that point, Jesus will get all of the glory and recognition. But here's the incredible thing. As we see how Jesus is glorified, that just as the Father shared his glory with the Son, so also Jesus wants to share his glory with us. This is, I think, extremely interesting, and I'm not sure I've ever done a study specifically on this, that there is a glory that Jesus wants to share with us. And that's basically what he's saying in this prayer to his heavenly Father. Remember, this prayer has kind of summarized his ministry. Those seven things that we've been talking about that Jesus did to and with his disciples in, in, in investing in them and discipling them, the same things that we're to do with others, to invest in them and you know, have a personal and intentional relationship with them. This is the thing that we experience glory, but also we share the glory with others as well. We scatter that out, all right? So let's look and see what this glory is that Jesus shares with us. And let's look at God and man's relationship. Now, have you ever heard anybody say, well, our relationship is complicated? When it comes to God and man, the relationship is just that. It's a complicated relationship. Because God had an original plan with man, and that was in creation that there would be God overall, that below man, God would be man over everything else, and then below that would be the angels, and that the angels would serve God and serve mankind. So God put man in a place of glory and power. But we know what happened next. We know that following that, that man literally fell to sin, and he fell to a temptation to a fallen angel who was Lucifer or Satan, right, in the garden when they were tempted, which in turn falling to that angel put man under the angels. You know, I, I've never heard this before, but it's interesting to think about. Some people speculate that the reason Lucifer rebelled against God originally before creation is that when he was told that God was going to make man and man would be above angels, that angels would no longer be God's most magnificent creations. And he rebelled against God. He's like, I don't want to be second place. I don't know if that's true or not. I think that's kind of interesting to think about. But at any rate, Lucifer is hell-bent, literally, on destroying mankind. And perhaps it may be because man has, tried, uh, man has taken his place in God's eyes. Hebrews chapter 2 is where we read about this. It says, it's not to angels that he has subjected the world to come, about which we are speaking, but there is a place where someone has testified, what is mankind that you are mindful of them, a son of man that you care for him? You made them a little lower than the angels, you crowned them with glory and honor and put everything under their feet. In putting everything under them, Jesus left nothing that is not subject to them. Yet at present, we do not see everything subject to them, but we do see Jesus who was made lower than the angels for a little while, now crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death. So that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. In bringing many sons and daughters to glory, it was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the pioneer of their salvation, Jesus, perfect through what he suffered. So what he's saying is that because man was lower than angels due to his sin, Jesus too became lower than angels as a man. But whenever he suffered and died and was resurrected, he was lifted up and he was glorified and he lifted those who are his followers up with him. And so through Jesus, the new order, the order that God established in creation has been restored. God, man, 
and angels. Now that, I think, is, is, is crazy to think that God chose us to bless us and give us a, a place of honor like that. And so what is our response to that? Well, there's a couple things. I think, first of all, is we get the privilege of adding to his glory. We're going to add to the glory of God. Think about this. John chapter 17, Jesus said, and glory has come to me through them. He's talking to the Father, and he said, God, you know that these men have brought glory to me. In other words, they have recognized who Jesus is, and they brought glory to him. Mankind was created, and today we exist to bring him glory. That's our purpose. We're not here to get rich. We're not here to make a name for ourselves. We are existing on this earth. Our purpose is to bring glory to God. Now, how do we do that? How do we bring glory to God? Well, there's countless ways. But the first way, absolutely, is to acknowledge and accept Jesus as Lord and Savior of our lives. When we do that, that very fact of faith and, and, uh, and trust in Him brings glory to God, lifts Him up. We claim who Jesus is, it, it reinforces in people's minds, it brings glory to God, and, and glory is added to Him. So that's the first way. But it also means to just simply acknowledge who He is, to praise Him, to worship Him. When we sing songs of praise, we bring glory to God. We lift up glory to Him. When we bring our offerings, our financial offerings, it glorifies God. When we submit to Him and we obey Him, when we agree with Him, when we adjust our lives to everything He says, when we make Him famous, when I talk to somebody about Jesus, it brings glory to Him. You can do that. You can add glory to God by just praising Him and acknowledging Him and telling people what He is in your life. By proclaiming his holiness, his faithfulness, his mercy, his grace, his love, his majesty, his sovereignty, power. The list goes on and on. We can just, just add on. You know, my mind, I've got like we're just taking a bulldozer and we're just pushing to glory. And, and when we do that, it just adds. just raises him higher and higher, you know. It's a mental picture. Crazy. <laughs> all right. But you and I can personally add to the glory of God. That's an incredible blessing that we have. But here's the second thing, is that we get a chance to share in his glory. To share in his glory. Now, if I if this wasn't in the Bible, you'd think I'd making this up, all right? John chapter 17, verse 22. Jesus said, I have given them the glory that you gave me. I've given them the glory. So he's saying, God, you realize, don't you, and you know this, that I'm, I'm giving them some glory too. I'm adding to the glory in their lives. Now, there's two aspects of this. The first is the now aspect, the now aspect. And that is, is that uh, through and with Christ, we are currently, here's what the Bible describes us, we are a, a chosen people, we are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. Now, don't get the big head, guys, I'm telling you, but God is saying you are a special people. You are my people. This is the now. We all know how broken we are and imperfect we are, but in God's eyes, this is how he sees his people. And the Bible says that now we are being glorified, which, remember, means to be transformed, the metamorphosis, becoming on the outside what we are on the inside. Remember that? We're being glorified. The Bible says as we contemplate the Lord's glory, we are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory. And that begins with our new birth in Christ. That's where it begins, but then we are being, one day we'll be fully seen in our resurrected bodies. So we are 
experiencing our own metamorphosis, becoming on the outside what God has made us on the inside. That's the important part of our lives of being glorified, becoming more like Christ. That's the now that we're experiencing. But there's also a not yet aspect that we're only going to experience when Jesus comes back. And and to be honest with you, I'm not going to talk a lot about that because I don't understand it. But let me tell you what the Bible says about that. I don't know the full extent, but the Bible promises, and you may want to write these scriptures down, check me out. I don't want you to take my word for it. Here's what the Bible says. The Bible promises that we're going to reign with Christ. We are going to reign with Christ. 2 Timothy 2, 11th and 13th, that's what it says. What does that mean? Secondly, it says we're going to rule over nations. We're going to rule over nations. Revelations 2, 26, 27. You can read that, all right? Kind of reminds me when Jesus said to the, the servants, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I'm going to put you in charge of many things. I don't know what it means if we're going to rule over nations. It also says that we're going to judge the world, judge the world and angels. We're over angels, remember? We're going to judge angels. 1 Corinthians 6, 2 through 3. Look it up and read it, all right? Here's what it also says, amazing, that we're going to share his throne. Share his throne. Revelation chapter 3, to the one who is victorious, I will give them the right to sit with me on my throne just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on his throne. Now, guys, don't, again, don't get the big head and don't get proud and go out of here or anything, but just know there's some promises coming to us. That's amazing just to think about. I don't even know what all that means. But I will tell you that through all of this right now, that we are privileged to see the glory of Christ, the glory of Christ that we can't hardly wrap our our, our heads around. John chapter 17, verse 24, Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you love me before the creation of the world. What does Jesus tell his father? God, I want them, the people you've given me, and, and guys, this is not just the 12, it's, it's us as well, but because by this time in this prayer, he's included not just the people currently, but all of us as well. I want all of those you've given me to be with me where I am. Where's that going to be? Going to be in heaven. And to see my glory, not only there, but here as well, the glory that God's given to him. And guys, I think that's kind of where we are today, to be honest with you. I will tell you that, that we have it written down, <laughs> that our highest goal here at Journey Church is that we want to bring glory to God above everything else. We've got, other, we've got personal goals, we've got, we've got values and everything, but our number one priority is we want to bring glory to God. If we do nothing else, we bring glory to God. We believe that we can best do that with our vision is to move people on a simple journey toward Jesus. That we want to push them toward Christ. We want to help them see Jesus glorified and glorify him more and more. And that really is is our goal today as a church, is we want you to see Jesus. If you don't know who Jesus is, I would love to have a conversation with you and talk about who Jesus is and why he deserves glory and your allegiance, why you should be a Christian, why you should follow Jesus. We want you to see him who he is, God's son. We want you to see his offer and his invitation that's given to you to share in his glory. And I really want every one of us in this room 
to one day experience his glory. And ultimately, that will be in heaven. We, we have, there's a now component, who we are, but there's a not yet, and we long for that not yet point. But we want to see the glory of God and share in that glory. And so I would say that if you're here this morning and you've never given your life to Christ, if you don't know without any, without any doubt that if you died today, you would see Jesus in his glory and you would share in that glory, I would encourage you not to leave this room. Do not walk out those doors. You just don't know. Life's too un unpredictable, isn't it? I want you to see Jesus, and I want you to respond to Jesus. And we'll talk about how to begin your journey toward glorification. A lot bigger than any recognition of anything on this earth when the Father says, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. Come on in. I got great plans for you. Let's judge some nations. Let's judge some angels. Let's reign together. Let's sit on the throne together. It's amazing the promises and the hope that God has for us. But only do we experience that in Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day and your word, your promises. God, we, we want to stay humble because we know with our human weaknesses, we got to have that humility. But God, we also know that you made us in a way that we long to be rewarded and recognized. I don't think that's wrong. I think you made us like that, God, that we sometimes seek the glory and we seek it in the wrong ways. But my God, maybe you've given us that desire so that we would long to know you and draw closer to you. God, we would not look for human or earthly glory that our, our glory we'd seek would be from you, eternal in the heavens. God, help us to long for that and to seek that with all of our heart. Lord, I pray that if there are those here this morning who have never given their life to Christ, do not have the promise of glory, that, God, you would drive them, encourage them, motivate them, convict them, God, to seek you. Lord, we love you, worship you, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.